You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. Hey, my name's Derek. Uh, If I haven't met you before, I'd love to. Why don't we just make that happen? You can come. You know who I am now. You can come introduce yourself to me in the back. We can start that process of trying to remember each other's names. Um, and that would be a good thing. But, yeah, I lead the college ministry here called Salt Company, so there's college students in the room. They will probably just amen everything I have to say. That's just what they do, right? Yeah, thanks. They don't actually, but I love them. Um, and I'm excited this morning. You know, basketball, it's that time of year. Um, I just thought we did a Salt Company March Madness bracket, so... I figured I would just congratulate the winners since no one had Kansas um, or help me out, North Carolina winning. Um, so just want to honor that person. So congratulations to me who won that <laughs> tournament. Um, yeah, it's pretty sad. But <laughs> it's funny because it's like we all just are like throwing darts at a board. So why do I even feel proud about winning that? But I, I certainly do. So <laughs> thanks for that. Um, this morning we're continuing through the book of Galatians. Pretty familiar passage, right? The fruit of the Spirit, if you've been in church, you probably are familiar with this text. Um, And so I'm going to do my best to just say what it says. And when I think about this text in Galatians 5, I can't not think about um, the time of my life when I first really, like, read this text. I remember exactly where I was. It's one of those those passages for me. Uh, It was six years ago. I was at a track meet in Iowa City, Iowa, an indoor meet, and in my Bible plan that morning, it had Galatians 5. And so I was sitting at our hotel coffee shop, um, reading this passage and just being like, man, like these, these, these fruits that are being talked about here, like, I don't, this really is convicting stuff. Like, I don't know how much this embodies Derek Jones, the person, even though I've been walking with Jesus for a little, little bit of time now. And, and so I remember that being kind of act one, if you will, and act two was later on at the, at the track me in the indoor football facility warming up and and looking around at these other athletes and just wondering like man where is the fruit of the spirit like in this room right now and what I was looking at was just a bunch of people headphones on totally focused on self tracks like one of those sports kind of like wrestling you know it's like you or you or bust black and white um and it was just like man is there love in this room is there joy like is there peace no there's like a ton of anxiety is there kindness, goodness towards, like, the, the competitors? Like, it was pretty much non-visible. It was like, man, what would it look like to just embody that? Like, what if, what if Jesus, like, really got a hold of me so I could compete in a different way and, and just be, like, actually not in this all for me? Like, that's what the, the fruit of the Spirit was talking to me in, in the, the first time I read this, this passage. And I hope today it's, it speaks to us all in a new way, and then the, the third act of that, that play, if you will, was I was running the 600 yard or meter. There's, there's 600 yard in the Big 12, 600 meter in the Big 10. I don't know why there's even a 600 yard race. It doesn't make any sense, but this was Iowa City, so it had to be 600 meter, and, I, and that was what I was running, what I was warming up for and realizing, like, man, this feels like a dead room, like the life is sucked out of it, uh, but I was running, and, and I'll never forget. It was just kind of one of those, like, oh, thanks for that God moments, because I was running on the backstretch, and as I came around the turn, my coach was like, I, I was like getting ready to pass. I had this angst about like, I just need to make my move. And my coach goes, be patient. And that's one of the fruits of the spirits. And I was like, fine. 
I'm just going to submit and obey that, that command out of my coach's mouth and end up, you know, of course, being patient and winning the race. And so that, that's my, my, like, so far journey with this text is like, wow, okay, uh, I think God wants to use it in our lives um, in a new way. So big question with, with this text this morning is just like, what, what is character? You know, if that's kind of what the fruit is, you know, character is kind of a more culturally acceptable word. How do we cultivate character? What is like gospel character? You know, when, we, when the culture thinks about character, we probably think of things like, man, that person's trustworthy or disciplined. You know, they're reliable, dependable. Like that, that would be someone that's high character. And it doesn't take the, the spirit of God to be that in the world. But I actually think the... the the Spirit of God, when it gets a hold of a person, like, character's even way, way beyond, like, that. Like, those are, those are good things um, to, to embody as a person, but the, the fruit of the Spirit, this gospel character, if you will, is, is super rich. And so as I, was, as I was looking at this again this, this whole week, you know, I think the thing that was deeply comforting, encouraging, um, convicting to me even is, like, if the Spirit of God actually got a hold of my life in its fullness, it would only be beautiful and glorious and delightful. And so what would it look like for me to allow that process to happen more? Because it is good. It is very, very good when that happens. And so I hope you, you just walk away with this. If nothing else, your mind renewed a little bit of like, yes, I want the Spirit of God to take over my life. You know, because that, that Spirit... Is, is for me and has my best in mind. And so, if you got a Bible, Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. Last week, uh, Critter talked about this, this freedom that comes in the gospel, and Paul's going to expound on that idea a little bit. And basic basic idea that's going on here that you can look for is gospel character comes through this, this gospel warfare, if you will, that's going on in the life of a believer. And so, verse, verse 16, Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the law, are, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Well, I just want to un- explain what's going on here in this text so we're, so we're not confused before we, we move on to applying it to, our, to ourselves. And what I want you to see first is like there, there's an element of growth in the life of a believer. Like, there, there ought to be. There, there's this fruit that's growing. And what you need to understand before we say anything else is, like, righteousness, the, the way the, the, the gospel brings about 
righteousness and the way the Bible talks about this, this righteousness that you need to stand before God someday, that, that can happen for you in a moment. It does happen in, in a moment. When I see Jesus for who he is and I put my, my faith in what he's actually done for me to bring me and reconcile me to my, my Father in heaven, like that, that is something that comes to me in a moment. It was had nothing, had nothing to do with how like I lived my life to earn my way to him or anything like that. But what, what he did for me, but character is this thing that, that's gradual. Character now for me as, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, that comes in a, in a lifetime, right? So the, the gospel, if, if the, the good news, that's what that word means, is, you know, that God saves sinners like this room through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What, what I really want to talk about today is that word saves. Like, yes, he certainly saves us and, and brings us into the family, makes us a part of Christ. See, there's this great exchange going on where now my sin is nailed to that, that cross and, and his righteousness is mine. That, that's part of what it means to be saved. But what about the rest of my life after that moment? That, that word saves is way bigger. It's meant for the rest of your life. It's meant to not just declare you righteous, but to actually save you from the, the power of sin that now is no longer a penalty over your head. Right? And someday there will be this, this glorification, right, where I'll be with Jesus face to face. I'll actually be the perfection that he is creating in me, and it, it'll be no more presence of sin. Right? And so the, as the Spirit takes a hold of us this morning, man, I hope that we, we experience not just like, or we're not just reminded again of the, the penalty that we've been set free from, the debt that's been paid, but we actually walk in the Spirit in a new way that's actually delightful, okay? So there's, there's an element of growth going on. And there's, there's an element of finality and an element of progress in the gospel. We mess it up when we make it one or the other, right? If the gospel's only progress, like if what it means to be saved, there's no finality to it, there's nothing that's in the past, there's no cross, there's no surety for me. That's not the gospel. You're not saved by how well, you live your life this side of heaven and then stand before God and, and point at it. But if there's only finality then, and there's no progress, there's no, like, real delight in following Jesus this side of meeting him. And so it's, it's both. And I think there's something, like, special about the, the Christian idea of, like, growth and progress, if you will. Like, there's something that makes life meaningful in that. I was reading something the other day about you know, like the way the culture moves, and especially in modernity and post-modernity, it's like, it, it's hard to look at what is objective, right? And so it's hard to, to look at what has meaning, and the way that the author was describing this was like this kaleidoscope of meaning, if you will. Like, only if there's an objective thing that I'm moving towards can I, like, track growth. And especially for an achiever like me, like, that's deeply enriching to life. And it's a very Christian idea that God is redeeming me from something towards something versus life just having no meaning. Like, what, what's progress in your life even look like? Like, if you had to look at, like, man, what is, not, not, you know, don't kid yourself, like, not what is God, like, moving me towards? What am I moving towards in life? Like, how would you answer that question? Like, what does progress look like for you? What does progress look like for our culture? Or is it just kind of this, kaleidoscope that actually ends up with less and less of this thing that looks like life and more and more meaningless, right?
Progress is, is a gift, and, and God certainly wants it for us, and he's moving us towards Christ-likeness. Um, but going back to this word character, if you will, character is, it trumps everything when you look at the scriptures. <laughs> like, character trumps competency, you know? It trumps skill. It, it's like the substance that humans are, are made of. Like, character is like this compromising list of attributes to make up who a person is, right? And so character is everything, or you're not starting with, with scriptures, I've, I've heard it said. And, and so you need to know God cares way, way, way more about what sort of person you are than what it is you're going to do with your life, career, or otherwise. You know, he's, 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 these words, love, joy, like you could do any profession and embody or not embody these things. What sort of person are you? Is, is the question you need to ask yourself way more than what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do today? What sort of person are you going to be today? That's a way more, you know, spirit-centered question that I want to get to. So for the Christian, we, we, uh, we start to embody fruit, and life becomes more meaningful, more delightful. Um, and that's a gift. And so that's, that's this element of growth, if you will, righteousness in a moment, but character over a lifetime. But how that growth comes is pretty evident in the text, too. Like there's, but it, but it's, it needs clarified. There's flesh and there's spirit. There's this war going on. Paul says, this one's opposed to this one. This one's opposed to this one. It's, it's opposition in, in me that's going on here as a believer. This flesh is this, this idea of this old nature, this brokenness that still lives in me, this, the unredeemed parts of my life and your life. In order for there to be progress, we've got to leave something that, the old way, like behind. Maybe a better question, like think of, people say like, oh, that, that's like everything that's wrong with the world. You know, people say that about stuff. Kids on my lawn, uh, romantic comedies on Hallmark, reality television, inconspicuous vaping, um, people that hate pets, people that are pet obsessed. Like that's, you could look at that and be like, that's everything that's wrong with the world. <laughs> right? It's stupid stuff. For me, it's black licorice, easy. <laughs> easy money. Black licorice is horrific. It's so bad. Like it's terrible. If you like black licorice, there's the door. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, obviously, this is a subjective hatred. But, I mean, the word itself is gross, like licorice. And we say ish. It's not justish. It's justice. Maybe it's licorice. That would actually make more sense because it's kind of slimy and gross. Anyways, wow. It's so bad. That, that's funny, but like, why do I not see the, the flesh that's trying to kill me with the, the same like vigor that I think of black licorice? Silly. But if I'm honest, licorice is more putrid to me than my sin a lot of the time. But the spirit that's in me is opposed to that. Like the spirit that's in me hates the stuff that's trying to kill me. And that's loving. And this, this spirit now, transitioning, this is the same spirit that's there in Genesis hovering over the waters, 
the, the third person of the Trinity, the forgotten God, if you will. That's what comes to dwell in you the second you trust Christ. The second he's your hope, he's your everything, you get this gift that's now going to war with this thing that is not a gift. It's just part of your nature. There's a war going on between flesh and spirit. And so what culture will tell you is, man, the goodness that comes from within. And for the Christian, like, that's kind of true because it is in me now. But it had to come from without. Like, any sort of true, true goodness you see now in the life of Derek Jones is certainly a, a direct result of God. That's true even before that. Like, he created everything. <laughs> the Spirit, it, it gives us new desires. Right? Like, I, I actually got saved in college, so I, I know this maybe more, more pertinently than, than some in this room of like, yeah, I actually have different desires now than I used to have. And that's a glorious thing. I didn't have those before I trusted Christ. Like, my desire was only for this. You know? It was like licorice tasted good. That's all I wanted. I don't, it still seems like nowhere. But, but this, this flesh, like, it keeps us from doing what, what we ultimately want now. Like, the spirit is ultimately going to win over the flesh. But so much, like, the flesh still kind of wins in this, in this war for me. And so this is what, this is all of Romans 7 in a sentence where Paul's just like, man, I don't do what I want to do, and, and this, I live in this body of death still, and it's tough. Like, that's, that's part of what it means to be a Christian, this opposition going on in you, and that's okay. But, man, the, the Spirit is, is this gift. We've been given something by God to actually oppose those things in us that need to be opposed. If we're going to have joy and delight this side of eternity. And so there's this, this element of, you know, growth, this, this character that, that's going to happen over a lifetime. There's, there's how this growth is working itself out, this war going on between flesh and spirit. But then finally, like, what, what does the growth look like? Paul kind of gives us these lists, right? And if you're an achiever like me, you're a fan of lists, but... Um, the, the works of the flesh that Paul lists, if you will, it's, it's kind of categorized by like these, these acts of broken sexuality. There's religion stuck in the middle of there. There's relationships and f there's substance abuse. Um, I'm familiar with like a lot of the things on this list. And, and frankly, if I spent the time to unpack a lot of these things and give you like what, what he's actually Getting at here, uh, you know, you'd be surprised. Like maybe, for example, if you got an ESV Bible like me, he ends with envy, drunkenness, orgies. This word for orgies is a better word, carousing. It's, it's just, it's basically drunken parties, okay? So probably not what you thought of when, when you hear that word, but these are the works of the flesh. It's a bunch of works, if you will, coming together, contrasted to the, the fruit of the Spirit. Like, it, again, it's going back to this character thing. Like, here's what you know, willful submission to the flesh looks like, it's going to look like some things. But the, the spirit, when it gets a hold of your life, is going to look like some things too. But instead of giving us a list of these works that it might look like, because that's not really helpful for a room, like, especially full of churchgoers. It's like, here's what the, the works might look like. He's going straight to like, no, but here's what the insides are going to start to look like. It's going to be fruit. 
fruit is a better analogy for what's happening when the, when the Spirit takes hold of our lives because fruit is this ever-growing thing. It, it's got to be a, an ever-growing reality for you if you're actually a Christian. Like, you're incapable to stop the fruit, if you will. Like, once that Spirit comes, it, it, it starts to grow. It starts to make changes. It's an in, inward-outward growth. It's a gradual growth. It's even, it's, which is commonly misconstrued, like this is the fruit of the Spirit. It's a symmetrical growth. Like you might be just genuinely more patient than me as like from birth because you, maybe you have better parents or something. Like it's not impressive, you know, when you become a Christian and are still just more patient than me. You know, what's, what's crazy is that even the ones on here that are hardest for you, God wants to grow you in a way that you didn't, maybe even think was going to be delightful for you, but, but is. That's what this fruit is. And against, against such thing, there, there is no law. The law was given in the Old Testament. The law is always like this constraint thing, this boundary thing, like, hey, don't go too far this way. The desires that are described here, the, these works, they're, they're more likened to like over-desires. They're not things that, are, like, sex, relationships, religion, like, these are not bad things. It's when my desire becomes like, the ruling force that makes me over-desire and, and envy. I mean, it is not wrong for me to appreciate, you know, someone else's good sermon. What's wrong is for me to envy that. Oh. Right? And so there, there are these over-desires contrasted with this, this new desire for Christ and his kingdom that makes me a different sort of person from the inside out rather than the outside in. That, that's what's going on in this text. I know that's a lot of explaining, Right? But what I want you to see is that this, this war is real. Like, it's, it's really going on. And if we're going to get gospel character, we've got to submit to this process of gospel warfare in the life of those of us with the Spirit in this room. God is, is holy, <laughs> for sure. You know, Jesus is, is holy. When we, I think when we think about that idea, like, we, we stop short. In a similar way that we stop short when we think of the word character, you know, like, oh, like, you know, just be more trustworthy than, like, the average dirtbag. It's like, you have pretty high character, you know? But godliness, holiness, is not just this idea that God is so separate from us and set apart that we could never approach him. It's like, that's, that's for sure true. But have you ever thought about the fact that he's so holy, so holy, that he would actually pursue you in that holiness like he's he's not just holy in the sense that i can't approach him with my sin he's so holy in that he, he would come up with a way to to not just punish and condemn me but actually take that onto himself so that i could approach him that's that's holiness that's christian character that's that's described here love like how much when we think of high character, we think of like, oh, they're just the most loving, the most joyful. How much is joy a, a composition of when we think of someone with high character? Patient, maybe, but they're good. They're faithful. That's, that's the idea that, that God wants to work into us in this room. And so what does that mean for, for us this morning? Right? If gospel character only comes about as the Spirit of God goes to war 
on my flesh, what, what do we do? First and, and, and hopefully loudest is some of you in this room, like, you don't, you haven't experienced the freedom like Critter talked about last week. Like, to be truly free. To not just walk in here because your flesh willed you to, so that you could hopefully balance out the scales, but to actually see the beauty of what the cross is for you and submit to it. And so in order to even, like, start this fight, you got to stop fighting, almost. To me, it felt so much like giving up. Like, I'd lived my entire life for me, for my flesh, for what I thought I wanted, to pursue love and joy and, and peace in my own way. And it took seeing, okay, <laughs> I'm not God. He is. And to see how deeply freeing it was for me that I could never earn his love or grace or forgiveness, even though I, I needed it bad. That's freeing. Jesus says something in Matthew 12, actually, I think is kind of parallel to this. He's, he's freeing some people, and some religious people come up to him, and they're like, uh, you, you're, I'm going to guess you're casting out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus is like, ah, I don't really think that's valid. You know, can Satan actually cast out Satan? That sounds like just a terrible strategy. And, and some of us, we're, we're fighting like, we're trying to use our flesh to cast out our flesh. You can't do that. I, I dropped a chicken wing on my white rug yesterday. What if I, fools would just take another chicken wing to try to wipe up that chicken wing? It's just going to exacerbate the problem. You can't fight the flesh with flesh. You can certainly try, and you can certainly, there's, there's moral, you know, um, conflict in the lives of anybody. Any human has this, like, war going on of, like, ah, the law of God's written on their hearts, maybe, like Romans says. Like, maybe that's true. And so there's, there's morality at play in the world. But flesh versus flesh is just going to end up with more flesh. You can do more out, outside works. You're never going to do anything about this unless you stop the fight. You give it to Jesus. You come to him. That's, that's the gospel. That's the righteousness you need to have in a moment if you're going to get the spirit at the same time and even start. And so if that's you, man, I've been praying for you <laughs> this week. You know, would you give up? Would you actually taste freedom for the first time in your life? It's amazing. All right, but for the rest of us, it's pretty simple. The words in the text, we've crucified the flesh. We've crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. Is this, like, crucify. You get that language, right? You get the image. But it's strong. Like, that's, we need that strong a language, Paul, really? Crucifixion was this pitiless execution. Painful, for sure. It's actually even fascinating. It wasn't necessarily instant death, right? But certain death, for sure. 0% survival rate. That's what's happening with us. Like, do, do we actually see it as like black licorice, you know? Do I want to be done with it? it? There's a pitiless, painful, like, it's, it's been nailed to the tree. It is certainly going to die. But why do I kind of go back and just see how it's doing? You know, have, have mercy again on my 
my flesh and want to maybe like take it down off the cross. That's, that's not the right way to, to go at what's trying to kill you. Birth into, into Christian families, realizing your flesh was nailed to the cross with Jesus and a massive part of Christian maturity is just learning to leave it there. Crucifixion happens in a moment. Death to flesh. Gradual, for sure. But I want you to at least see it as that. Even while the death of our flesh and, and that which wants to kill us is certain, it's like we, you know, we go back and, and we think, ah, maybe I need to be more gentle, you know. And it's, it's deceit. I'll never be content with a little black licorice on my steak, in my coffee, you know, as a flavor on my ice cream cone. Never. Why do I want to mostly follow Jesus, but then maybe hold some stuff back? Like, I'm pretty convinced he's the God of the universe, but I don't want him to touch this. What's, what's wrong with me that my flesh is not as repulsive to me as, as licorice? I have, you know, a subjective hatred for licorice, like I said, it, but it's a neutral thing. Like, it's frankly a good gift for psychopaths, but still, like, it's just licorice. Black licorice is not trying to separate me from God and, and kill me like my flesh is. And so, if anything, I should be more, you know, content to go to war with this thing. Maybe this is why Jesus says, you, you must take up your cross daily. Daily. Am I going to give you righteousness in a moment? Yeah. Am I going to help you kill your sin over your lifetime? Yeah. Is there stuff for you to do in this process and ways for you to renew your mind towards that sin? Yeah. That's what we're doing even this morning. But then maybe the loudest thing in this text is, Walk by the Spirit. Instead of crucifixion, there's this image of walking. This is clearly where, where Paul wants to put our focus. I mean, he begins with, but I say walk by the Spirit, and he ends with, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is, this is where we, we need to put our focus. And, and culture is going to tell you a lot of things. Do this to be saved, don't do that. Or, like we just saw in the previous text, do whatever you want, you know, because you're free, and God's going to forgive you anyway. Those are all things that are like close to the truth, but not actually really far off. And Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit of God. What's he, what's he mean by this? I just have a, a few practical, tangibles for you to walk out with. I, th I think it's impossible for me as a Christian to claim that I walk by the Spirit and my private devotional life is absolutely non-existent. We walk by the Spirit. We operate by faith, not by sight. That means maybe a better question is like, what are, what are your secrets, you know? Like, who are you when you're absolutely alone? Who's the Spirit to you then? It, t it takes very little work of the Spirit, maybe. Maybe for some it's a big, big step of the Spirit to, to walk in here on Sunday morning. For me, I'm just pretty good at doing that now. But what about when I'm alone with Jesus? Do I spend time with him? What does that part of my, my walk, if you will, look like? Are my secrets these things of the flesh? Are my secrets this life of prayer and, and reading my Bible and getting stuff out of it and 
letting him renew me, not just on, on Sundays, right? I think a, a private devotional life is, is really honestly like a, a, a keystone thing for people that are trying to walk by the Spirit and let him work in their life. Number two, a, a commitment to the body of believers. We all have the same Spirit, progressing the same thing in each of us. And that's a deeply encouraging and necessary thing. God did not mean for you to come to know him in isolation and stay in isolation, right? And most of the time, my flesh is going to be supported and fanned by the culture at large. Take that track room, for instance. If that was the only basis I have in my life for how to live life, anxiety, stress, identity, mess. And that's the predominant like, thing we're swimming in most of the time. And so it'll be committed to a body that, that thinks differently about sex, about alcohol, about, you know, sports as an, an ideology or money as the root of everything good. Like, it's actually really helpful, practically. It's really helpful to be just committed to a body. I mean, we're going to take communion here in a minute. That, that's, a, that's a work of, of the body, being a part of a body that regularly gets together and celebrates the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel every single Sunday. Am I committed to hearing that? Am I committed to getting around others in more intimate settings than this one to, to just talk about that and what it means for my life? That's, that's such a blessing of walking by the Spirit. And then third, I, and I think this one's huge too, when the, when the Spirit is, is in me, one of the times that He's most prevalent to me is when I'm out on a limb taking risks like if you want to just practice obedience to the spirit do the things that feel a little risky live your life on mission you know have the courage to go into waters that you've never been in before with people a lot of the time the spirit shows up in the gap between where you're comfortable and where you're uncomfortable what you're scared to do what you've never done before the spirit would love to meet you in that moment and help you look more like the Jesus that is loving, patient, kind, good. And he, he's at work, too. Like, I think this is what it means to keep in step with, with the Spirit. Like, he's at work in, in all of us, and he's also at work in a ton of the people not in this room. The Spirit of God is working on those people, and for me to keep in step, I just have to be awake and aware to what he's trying to do. And it, it's a glorious thing for me, as much as it is for for that person. And finally, um, you know, with this, with this courage to take risks and live mission, I, I really think, like, one of, one of my pastor friends told me the other week, like, a lot of the times we just sin because we're bored. Don't we? Like, you spend enough time not intentionally walking by the Spirit, you will gratify the desires of the flesh. For sure. So I think there's this mission component that God wants for his children to go <laughs> that actually helps us progress towards this, this idea of holiness even more. Look, embassy gospel character, uh, you know, it comes through gospel warfare. And one of the biggest battles, if you will, in that is just fighting to remember the gospel itself. That God actually loves me enough to send Jesus to die for me, and that should change everything about my life, and it will 
if I let it. Ultimately, the, the Spirit's aim in all of Scripture is to make much of Jesus. That's his aim in, in, as he works in your life. He wants Jesus to be loud and front and central to you and the world around you. Submit to, to Jesus. Submit to the Spirit in your life and, and watch the character develop in you. Watch how he just gives you steak over licorice, life over death. And a, and a group of believers like this one, a, a church, if you will, that, that's actually walking with the Spirit, that's filled with, with the Spirit. Can you imagine what that would look like? If, Again, there's all kinds of external ways this fleshes itself out in the world, but if this room was full of love, a church that was loving, joyful, at peace, patient. These things are all wonderful. I think it'd be a, an unstoppable church. And so let's pray that the Spirit would do that for us this morning. God, uh, I pray right now, even as <coughs> this, the Spirit inside of me helps me to, to pray and to ask you for things, um, God, I pray that many in this room would just take a lot of comfort this week, uh, this morning, and certainly the rest of this week, but the rest of our lives, and the fact that you love us so much that you wouldn't just send Jesus to die, although that's a big just. God, you, you certainly did that for us, but it, you have a purpose in mind for our lives, too. You want to not just save us from the, the penalty of sin, but the power of it in our lives, and you want to make us more like yourself, who's ultimately loving and kind and good and gracious and God we, we want that too and so God we know that we can we can trust you because as we look at the cross and we look at what Jesus ultimately did that, that's all the proof we ever need you're for us you've given us this gift to, to go to war with the old us in our old ways and so God I pray that you would just help us grow in what it looks like for each of us to walk by the spirit and if we don't yet have it God would you break into our hearts and give us one that, that sees you for who you are and just worships you we love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.